Fridge Guys. All right, welcome back to Fridge Guys. This is episode 10 podcast. I am finally two double digits and uh, have a special episode today. Um, we are going to, to highlight home brewers and uh, talk home brewing tonight. So uh, pretty excited to have a, a couple friends here. Um, one you have heard on Fridge Guys before, Maddie Freebeer's here. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for uh, for joining us tonight, Matt. This is your second episode on the Fridge Guys. Yes. And a newcomer, one of my good buddies, Quincy. Hi guys, Quincy Weens here. Thank you for having me. Yes, Quincy is a very uh, established home brewer here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I've been uh, lucky enough to be able to drink quite a few of his home brews, and uh, they are pretty tasty. Well, thank you very much. And uh, when when uh, when we were getting ready to get this going, he he asked me to, or I asked him to bring a homebrew over. But uh, it seems like we drink your homebrew too much, and you <laughs> ran out. <laughs> I know. I was just pouring a growler, and I got about eight in, eight ounces on there, and it started to spit. So I. Uh, I apologize for not bringing any of my personal homebrew <laughs> to the homebrew podcast. No, no, no big deal. I've, I've got some homebrew here. Matt brought one of his. Um, is this one that uh, Mark and Connor had before? I think this is the second, like the second batch of the same beer. So oh, same I beer. tweaked it a little bit, um, but I think it's the second batch. I don't think it's the same one that they had. Okay. So uh, kind of how the podcast works. Um we're going to crack open some beers, uh, enjoy them, maybe do little tasting notes and stuff like that with them. I have a list of questions here, homebrewing questions I'm going to ask you guys and just uh, kind of get to uh, you know, learn a little bit about you guys and then also what uh, the local beer scene is going on here in Lincoln. So let's crack open this. What, what did you bring us, Matt? I brought a strong bitter, like an English strong bitter. Um, so an ESB. Here. Yes. They... Uh, like I've been told or read that if you can if you consider yourself a good home brewer, you can make a good pale ale, like an English pale ale or a good English bitter, um, and reproduce it. Um, so I started tweaking a recipe and have made it a couple times, and this is that recipe. And, and this is one of the last ones that you had. This is the last one. <laughs> yes. The last. I I have a homebrew episode uh, here tonight and it's we're we're supposed to get like 9 inches of snow tonight and so uh luckily we're able to get this podcast in but the winter's been too damn bad here lately and and uh, you guys just haven't been doing the, the garage home brewing lately. It's it's been brutal for for Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, we, a lot of times we have mild snowstorms, and this is this kind of reminds me of back when we were kids a little bit. We've gotten over thirty inches of snow so far. We're yeah. supposed to get another, you know, eight to ten tonight, and yeah, it's coming down. So it's been too cold to home brew. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you guys made it here tonight, so we can. Uh, we can uh, drink a few beers tonight and and talk about uh, beer and and kind of talk about uh, brewing and and you know how you guys got started in it. Uh, how long have you guys been home brewing? Go ahead. Um, well, my brother turned me on to the good old plastic Mister Beer Kit <laughs> back in '97. 
he gave it to me for Christmas and uh, I brewed up a couple of batches of beer with that and then I moved out of state and went on hiatus and just drank a lot of craft beer and just here about five years ago I got back into it I uh, did a few kit beers and then I bought a electric three kegel kit and I've been uh, been home brewing ever since so brew up probably maybe 20 30 batches a year so I brew 10 gallons at a time and uh, yeah every every time's a learning experience mm -hmm. I'm taking some BJPC courses right now to hopefully be able to judge someday. So these yeah. uh, these kind of podcasts are great, and uh, and this bitter uh, smells fantastic. By the way, mm, thank yeah. you. Yeah, this the nose on it's pretty fantastic. Um, I really like the color of it. This was uh, almost 100% Maris Otter um, grain and. Fuggle and I can't remember what the other hop. I used two hops, um, and this was my own recipe, um, tweaked. And I think this is the second batch of doing it. Um, I've been brewing for like maybe five or six years, maybe five years, and I have uh, I have kegels that I use, but they're sort of homemade, and so I still have um, turkey fryers on the like on a stand that's homemade that I do and have a cooler that I mash in. I would love to go electric someday. That would be, that's the ideal. Then maybe get out of the garage. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Quincy, you have a, a, you know, a small brew house at the house. It's not I just... do. I have a little shed on the side of the house. It's about 8 by 20, and I brew in there. I've got a fermentation chamber in there. And I do have a heater in there, but... I've only got 50 amps running out to the shed, and my heater is about a 30 amp heater, and my my uh, my heating elements are 5500 watt heating elements in my uh, in my my uh, hot liquor tank, and also my boil kettle, so I cannot run everything at once. <laughs> so you warm it up, and then you kick on the boil. <laughs> so I heat it up, and by the time the water gets gets warm, and, and uh, you're ready to sparge and mash and all that good stuff, the shed's cold again. So I'm working on it. Next year, I'll have uh, 50 amps to the to the brewery and 50 amps to the to the shed itself. Nice, so yeah. That yeah. I can keep it room temperature in there. So that'll be that'll be a big big bonus. Oh yeah, yeah. We stand around the like turkey fryers, trying to keep warm. You know, <laughs> standing close. Sure, that's a good thing about those. At least they put out some heat. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it. So what kind? What kind of system did you start on? Well, I guess you said the Mister Beer Kit. So. Yeah. Well, um, I started. Yeah, basically on a stovetop, and then uh, when I when I recently picked up brewing again, I was using a, a Camp Chef cooking stove that I have just with the I think I had an an eight gallon eight gallon kettle and uh, just we're doing kits wow. and uh, we've got a, a local shop here in town that sells kits and and uh, yeah started that way probably did 20 or so kits until we got to the point where we tried all the kits and and then you know the hazy IPAs were coming on strong and and everybody was wanting to learn how to brew those and and the only way you could do that was to go all grain so that's kind of what got me into all grain was mm -hmm. wanting to wanting to brew what you can't buy so sure mm -hmm. 
How did you get started in homebrewing, Matt? Um, I asked for a kit for Christmas for my wife, so she <laughs> is to blame for that. Um, I we went on to morebeer.com, and um, for 150 bucks, 120 bucks, you can get stuff that you can use over and over again. And so we got that and got started. My first batch was extract and five gallons, and we were planning on boiling. You know, when you first start off, you boil three gallons and then you add water at the end. Um, but my stove wasn't like strong enough to even boil three gallons of water. <laughs> so we it immediately moved to the garage with a turkey fryer um, and then boiled really quickly. Um, hmm. Yeah, so we started. I mean, I'd only made like a couple of kit beers and then immediately started reading and researching um, like recipe development and stuff like that. And like I, my first true beer that I made, I was trying to make a, an English pale ale. And um, at the time I was drinking like Sierra Nevada torpedo and I'm like, this is what I want it to turn out like. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't taste anything like Sierra Nevada. What the frick did I do? I ruined this. And like, then I'm like, oh yeah, I made an English pale ale, not an American pale ale. So yeah, it took me several months to figure that out. Well, kind of live and you learn, I guess. <laughs> and then you get to drink your, uh, your, your rewards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the first couple of times you brew, it could be, the worst beer ever but when you drink it you're like oh my gosh this is great right. oh, yeah. blood sweat and tears went in this yeah the first batch we made my dad gave me a lot of crap he was standing in the garage with me and uh it, the snow was melting that day and there was like dirty gutter water coming off the like the roof hitting the trash can that was close to where we were boiling five or six feet away and he's like how are you going to reproduce like dirty gutter water in, in your boil kettle like for the next batch he's like are you taking notes on that <laughs> so every time he's like does this have gutter water in it oh that's funny thanks dad <laughs> exactly oh man yeah he didn't drink beer but he'll come over and like Critique. drink his Irish whiskey and like make fun of me in the garage yeah mm-hmm. yep alright well I finished my uh, ESB and I I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought it was very easy to drink beer. This it was. Do you recall one, the ABV and the gravities? Like this is no, I don't have it written down because I I used to use um um an app on my phone uh, and I'm blanking on the name right now. It's not Beersmith, and they stopped supporting it, and so oh, really? I can't. Yeah, I lost all my recipes that were stored in there, um, so. Yeah, so this was one of them that I lost. I think this is about 6.8 um, was the final ABV on it. Um, doesn't The head doesn't last for squat, so I'm a little disappointed with that. I'm still working on that. Um, yeah, this one I sent in um, to the National Homebrew um, competition. I think this one scored like 42, maybe. That's really um, good. Yeah, I didn't make it to the second round, but... Um, yeah, it was one of my highest scoring beers in the national competition. Very nice. 42 is a, a very good score. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not too familiar with the, uh, you know, the rating of the homebrews and stuff like that. Do you guys enter a lot of contests with your guys' beers? I've entered a few. Um, 
my brother lives out in Indiana, and they have one of the largest homebrew competitions out there. They usually get 1,500 entries, and uh, I've entered a few beers into that, and then uh, our, I'm also a member of the Lincoln Loggers Club, which is our local homebrew club here in Lincoln, and we put on uh, an annual competition that's called Sower's Cup, and so I entered, uh, let's see, this year I put in... I put in a Belgian Golden Strong Ale, and I did a breakfast cereal porter, and also uh, an American IPA. So, how did those turn out for you? Uh, I did pretty well. I got a first, second, and third. I got first oh, wow. place on the uh, on the IPA. I got second on the Belgian Golden Strong Ale, and I got a third in the breakfast cereal beer which I just was I had a porter that was an old one and I put some uh, I put some cocoa puffs in there <laughs> and I didn't really know what I was doing I've never done it before so I just took a, a bag of cereal and or a box of cereal threw it in a muslim bag dropped it in the keg for a couple of days and left it in there until it tasted good and hmm. And it turned out okay. It wasn't great. I can't imagine there was too many entries in that category <laughs> because I did get third place. But, but it was a learning experience nonetheless. Sure. You'd take home a medal for a, or, a, or a certificate or right, something. Yeah, yeah, it was a medal. Awesome. And you got first place? Was, you, was that your IPA? It was. Um, that was uh, an American IPA that was... Dry hopped mainly with Citro, Mosaic, and Galaxy were my three favorite hops. Yeah. And uh, it turned out well. It went to best of show. And I ended up winning the, uh, the, well, let's see, I don't know what they called it, but the, one of our sponsors, which was Infusion Brewing out of Omaha. Sure. Um, it got entered into that final category for them, and it, it, it took first place in that, and so they are supposed to brew that beer hopefully this summer sometime. Oh, seriously. So awesome. Well, congratulations. If they keep Spencer. the same name, it'll be called the Atomic IPA, so keep an eye out for that from yeah. Infusion, and yeah. we'll see what well, happens. You'll have to let us know, and the fridge guys will let the, uh, let, let the audience know if uh, we need to go up to Infusion and drink some some uh, some of our local local homebrew absolutely brewed on a big scale there yeah, yeah that's cool That'd that's nice. cool I'd like to see that done so what uh, what about yourself Matt do you is that what is that uh, what you do with your homebrews you enter them in them to uh, contests and well, stuff like that yeah so I mostly enter them in just to get the feedback and kind of figure out what do I need to tweak and what do like people that actually know what they're drinking you know because I can I make beer for the cul-de-sac and, you know, get requests for styles and, you know, repeats and stuff like that. But these are people that are not, you know, they just like what they like. They're not like judges. And so I want to get feedback from people that know what they're talking about and then change and design the recipe to, you know, fit the style, that kind of stuff. Sure. So that's why I send them in and they're fun. It's, you know, you, pack them and ship them off and then you you know hear back it's kind of exciting to you know wait and see what what somebody what kind of score you got yeah exactly yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely that's awesome well um so we finished off your homebrew and 
the past, uh, I guess about a week and a half or so ago, I had uh, I had posted a picture um, on uh, on my social media that I just had a big shipment of homebrew come in. I I found a guy um, online, actually on Facebook, who's a homebrewer out of let's see where is he out of again? It is Arlington, Virginia, and he's he's got an awesome name to to his his homebrew brewery and uh it kind of goes in line with you know dane's horror basement yes, here the murder basement <laughs> <laughs> it's called bloody chainsaw brewing and uh so i asked him about his, his homebrews and he had a list of homebrews that uh, he had available um and uh he said that if i wanted to try them he would just you know if i paid for shipping he'd send them to me so uh um, I had a big allotment come in. I knew we were going to have a homebrew um, episode, so we're going to we're going to crack these open and drink these. Uh, this first one is called Paulo. It is a American brown ale. It says it's very dark brown ale aged on Paulo Santo wood that was acquired by questionable means. <laughs> <laughs> it's very boozy with some smoky malt and a chocolate mocha licorice licorice like taste. Yeah, is that the that wood, the Palo Malto, is that like a cheaper version of cinnamon type of wood? Well, I get a lot of cinnamon there, so yeah. it might be. The only other Palo Santo I can think of is I think Dogfish Head does a Palo Santo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a lot of cinnamon, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's very good, and yeah. I just want to say that uh, if you guys look back on Dane's last podcast and, and some of his pictures, his labels are fantastic. Yeah. Probably he, some of the best. He pays money for the labels, that's for sure. Best homebrew labels I've probably ever seen, so <laughs> nice yeah. job on that. Yeah, they're, they're pretty neat. This this one in particular is just like a big butcher-looking dude with a, a big bloody chainsaw. A bloody apron, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'll uh, I'll take pictures of all these. And uh, says this one was bottled on uh, on January sixth of twenty nineteen, so it's really not too old. I'm really curious if all this flavor came from wood. Yeah, I I mean, going there's on, a lot a lot of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a eleven and a half percent brown ale. Mm-hmm. It's very good. If I'm going to drink a brown ale, it better be a big brown ale. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it's got a great nose to it. Uh, you can get the licorice and a little molassesy and mm-hmm. some cinnamon smell on there, and yeah, and I almost say I I do get that little mocha t- taste, but I don't mm-hmm. get any kind of mocha on the nose for me at least. No, it's almost got a leathery taste. Um, yeah, a darker fruit mm-hmm. leathery yeah. taste. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It's good. Definitely got the alcohol warming like notes to it. It's eleven and a half, you said. Eleven, yeah, eleven point five. I thought we were supposed to guess the ABV. Oh well, <laughs> I passed the bottle around. You guys could have looked at it, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to see it. <laughs> his uh, his label is way better than my uh, Sharpie marker that says ESB. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, so. Uh, yeah, so we got. I've got a bunch of these. Well, not a bunch. I had a bunch of different uh, styles that that he brewed. So we're gonna drink those tonight and talk about those and talk a little bit more about uh, homebrewing with you guys. 
What, um, so you said you bat, you brew about 20 to 30 batches a year. I would guess, yeah. And how long, in how many years you've been brewing now? Um, five or six. Five or six, so. On a constant basis, yeah. You brewed definitely over 100 batches of brews then. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. How many batches of brew would you say that you've brewed? Oh, I don't know. I probably brew, like, maybe 10 per year. Um, at the most. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably half that. I'm probably somewhere around 45, 50 total. And I've worked my way up to 10 gallon batches, um, in the kegs now. So, yeah. Do you guys normally just keep them on kegs or you guys bottle, can, what do you you guys do with the beers? Well, it depends. I have a, a buddy that I brew with and a lot of times we'll split the 10 gallon batch and he'll do something different with it. Um... Like he'll age it on, you know, oak chips or something like that, or add. He like to he um, will throw like dried fruits, like cherries and stuff like that, in it to like beers to make make them different. And then we'll share once we bottle. Um, but if I'm making a ten gallon batch myself, usually I'll keg half of it and bottle half of it, and then the bottles I can take with me or give away. Um, keg stays in the fridge in the garage. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I also brew 10-gallon batches, and I 99% of my beer goes in kegs. Um, I'm very lazy about bottling. <laughs> I wish I had. I have a beer gun, but uh, about the only time I bottle beers is when it goes into a competition. Sure. So... Well, yeah. you have enough good friends that come over and drink that beer, so... <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> It usually doesn't stick around too long, which is obvious tonight, <laughs> since I couldn't bring any. But, uh, yeah, a lot of times I'll I'll get rid of half of mine um, to about anybody that, that wants it, and uh, I'll usually keep half. Or if I'm doing IPAs, a lot of the times I'll dry hop one five-gallon batch with a, a certain group of hops, and then I'll, I'll dry hop the next batch differently. So you'll have... You'll have the same main beer, but it'll be dry hopped differently, and that's a good way to compare hops. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, I was just doing single hops. That way you get a better taste for what the hop does, and then kind of start mixing them in there as you go. And and you'll find that with, with uh, commercial beers, too. You'll you'll find a combination that you take a liking to, and, and that's... Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've done, and I I really really like Mosaic is probably my favorite IPA or my favorite hop, followed by Citra and then N Galaxy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like if you throw Citra and Mosaic in a beer, it's gonna be good no matter what, pretty mm-hmm. much. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Tropical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say the like the smash beers, the single malt, single hops are really the way to go to like test flavor profiles and really learn what you're like what you're dealing with because you can change you can keep the same malt and the same hop and change the timing of the hop additions and come up with like totally different beers just based on the timing absolutely Um, and so you know trying to like keep things the same to like learn what you're doing and learn how you know how things taste and how things react that's i wish i had more time to do it to get all that feedback because it takes it you know it takes a while to get get your canceled school yeah (laughs) well my girls will be happy and my wife she's a teacher so (laughs) 
Sorry if you heard uh, my phone was buzzing. It's because I just got the call that school's canceled. So this might get up tomorrow. So you guys can listen to it on your no school day, there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately still have to work, yeah. so I will be at work. Well, we won't. We'll it may be optional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we get a foot of snow out there, who knows? I'm I'm enjoying this beer quite a bit. This is for the first. This is the first time I've had any of his beers. Mm-hmm. So I, I say I he, he sent me two meads. I did open up the the one that wasn't barrel aged. Um, we might open up that one tonight. We'll see see how things go. But uh, his mead was pretty tasty. It was a big mead. It was like fifteen point seven five percent. But this is a big brown ale. Looks good. Only a, it was a twelve ounce bottle, so we shared it three ways. Mm-hmm. The more I drink it, the more I get the dark fruits in it, um, and the cinnamon kind of it, gets a little more subtle. Yeah, it's the cinnamon still there, a little cinnamon mm-hmm. bite at the back of my tongue. But yeah, it's a lot, a lot of dark fruit. Um, I like it. I think it he, is, he did a fine job on this. It is very good. It's a very good sipping beer. Yeah. It, well, smells, to sip that? it smells a lot hotter than what it tastes, I think, also. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can smell that booze in there, but it, it's very smooth, that cinnamon and, and those those dark fruits. They mellow it out nicely. So what, um, you know, you guys brew a, a, a pretty decent number of batches of beer. What would be your favorite styles to brew? Um, mine, obviously, as you probably know, Dane, is, is the IPAs, and the New England style are, are, are one of my favorite beers. Um, I brew a lot of those. My wife is a uh, Spotted Cow fan, and so I started brewing this Belgian Golden Strong Ale to simulate a Spotted Cow, which they consider a farmhouse-style ale. Mm-hmm. And... The history of a Belgian golden and a saison also is that the uh, Americans kind of termed the farmhouse ale based off of those beers. So, so that's kind of where I started, and I've kind of mixed some different yeast around and and came up with a good combination that, that she likes, and uh, and it's very easy drinking. It's a beer that a bush light drinker can drink, and it's also a beer that a craft guy can drink too. Um, it's a 9.2% golden ale that's just as smooth as could be. You would not, you would not know it's that strong at all by, by drinking it unless you have a few of them, and then it'll, it'll let <laughs> yeah. you know. Then you're, you're like, well, what, what was ABB on that again? <laughs> so I brew a lot of those. I probably brew, I'll bet I brew 100 gallons of that a year, pretty easy. And then uh, then do a, a, a few stouts. Um I was really so hung up on IPAs that that's kind of all I brewed for a while other than the Belgian beers. Mm-hmm. And now I've kind of found a, a couple of good recipes that, that I'm happy with. And so I'm going to start branching out. Um, I do some brown ales, uh, obviously some, some wheat beers in the summertime. I've got an orange wheat that I really like that I put orange rinds in into the boil mm-hmm. and a little coriander in there. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of a summer crusher beer when it's really hot out. We get yeah. uh, we get some hot days here in Nebraska, so it's nice to have a kind of a lawnmower beer. You get done mowing the yard, you can just slam down a couple of beers mm-hmm. and cool down. You had a the, one of the last ones I drank. You had a fruited Berliner. I did. I just recently did a kettle sour, a Berliner Weiss, yeah. and uh, I put some fresh raspberries That's in half of it and uh, some blueberries in in the other half. 
I don't have. I haven't had the blueberry one. I don't think, but I had that raspberry one. The raspberry one turned out really nice. I thought that was a lot better than the blueberry one. Yeah. And uh, I did have some yeast problems with it, or some fermentation problems, I should say. Uh, I actually used uh, a fage, which is a Greek yogurt, for my uh, for my souring on there, and. Honestly, didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was just reading off of books, and there's a there's a couple sites out there that you can get into some sour, big sour discussions with. So, so I kind of experimented around with it, and finally got it figured out, and got the got the pH down to where it needed to be, and and uh, and fermented it out, and it it turned out pretty nice. So, that'll be a another beer that I'll be brewing up again soon here, and maybe awesome. experimenting with some different fruits mm. in there. So. Yeah, so you're obviously testing pH and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What uh, What are some of your favorite styles there, Matt? Yeah, I like IPAs, and so, like, we had a Galaxy and Mosaic. We had, I had a, was asked to make some beer for a wedding, and so it came up with a double IPA that had Galaxy and Mosaic in it, and then had one keg of that and then one keg of my summer wheat beer that's similar. It has some um, sour orange peels in it, and... Um, that those turned out pretty good, but yeah, I like I like drinking stouts and I like drinking IPAs. No, oh. but I'll, I like everything. Like here, I, here. when when <laughs> when White Elm when White Elm you know came around and they were you know initially all about saisons, I was super stoked and like hey, I want to investigate this style and you know learn about these and so I went out and bought books about saisons and read you know all this background behind them. But yeah, I like that. Uh, Noro Colette, the the, the oh, recent barrel aged apricot. Yeah, that stuff was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved it. But yeah, so I will drink everything, and part of the fun of home brewing is exploring different styles. And for me, I'm a geek about it, so I read like the history behind why they did what they did, and that's that's exciting for me. Yeah. Well, uh, we moved on to this bloody chainsaw brewing beer. It's called It's the End. And it is a Belgian Trapel. Um, this Trapel-style golden ale recreates a style of beer originally developed in the Middle Ages by Trappist monks for special occasions. And as such, it was the first of its kind to be brewed in North America in his house. No, it's that's a lie. We just <laughs> really like Trapels. <laughs> uh, so... You guys drink many, uh, you know, Belgian style triples, doubles. I do. Quads. I um, I like all the Belgian beers, and the heavier the better. Um, you know, I I'm I might have said this earlier. I'm taking a BJCP, which is a beer judging certification program class, and uh, there's a a written exam and a tasting exam, and we're just getting into the written exam now, so. Uh, our last categories that we studied were actually Belgian beers, and um, and they're saying now that there's actually a monastery in California. I think it was California, and that uh, so <clears throat> there's a lot of strict rules to calling certain names of beer Belgian beers by their names because yeah. it has to be brewed on a monastery <laughs> by monks. So. 
Word is that there is a monastery in California now, and they are brewing some Belgian beers and some Trappist, Trappist beers. Yeah. And, you know, um, as far as Belgian beer goes, uh, Chimay's are, are some of my, my yeah. favorites, especially the, the Grand Reserve is a fantastic beer. Um, I've been lucky enough to have, have some Westie beers, and those are fantastic. I had a buddy who went to Belgium and brought a couple cases of that stuff back years ago and was able to try some of that stuff. But we do get some of the Duvals and some of the, some pretty good Belgian beers here here in Lincoln, really, mm-hmm. for, for considering our location. We have a decent selection of Belgian beers. And and I, I love the Trapels, the Saisons, the... The big heavy Belgian beers are, are just fantastic. So, you know, this is this is this is basically what kind of where where it came from, really. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, that would be a super cool trip to go, you know, visit and learn, you know, see. People have been brewing beer for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they used the yeast that was there. Um, you know, they used the barley that was there. Um, you know, we we order crap on the internet, get it from wherever. Sure. You know, that's <laughs> the terroir. Whatever. Yeah, they were they were growing <laughs> they were growing theirs in the backyard and yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I really enjoy this. This is a pretty tasty beer. Mm-hmm. It is. A lot of Belgian, like especially Trapel, you you'll get some of the estuary stuff from from the from the yeast that they use, but uh, and some of that a lot of people will be like. Um, it's a little too clovey or banana yeah. for me, but I think this is a this is a fantastic yeah. version. They did a good job on this one. Well, a lot of that depends on like the temperature at which you ferment too. Like you'll get more clove or more banana. I mean, it's just it's like simple science. Um, you know, you ferment at a little bit higher temperature, and you'll get more of that banana stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some beers, it's desired, and other beers, it's not, and so. You know, learning what's right and what's not right for the style is. Yeah, yeah he did a good job with this. This is good. And that uh, another nice thing about some of those Belgian yeast is, you know, like you take like a London Three, which a lot of people use for a New England IPA, and the temperature range on that is like maybe seven, seven, eight degrees. You go to a Belgian yeast, and some of those temperature ranges can be twenty or thirty degrees. So it gives you so much more of a of a range mm-hmm. to experiment with, and a lot of those those yeasts will just eat eat that stuff up. I mean, they they'll ferment those beers down to nothing and give you a nice high ABV, a smooth, dry character, and they just make fantastic beers. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. I guess um, next question I have for you guys. So we talked about your favorite. You guys both love to brew IPAs. What are your least favorite styles to brew? Have you brewed something and you're just like, I'm never brewing that again, or I'm never getting into that again? You want to start? I um, I don't know that I've had anything that I've said I will absolutely not do again. Um, we had a weird... Um, it was after Thanksgiving, and I decided I was going to make... Um, uh, porter, and I was gonna like spice it and um, use pumpkin pie spices and dark cherries and dry cherries and um, we uh, called it liquid fruit cake <laughs> and uh, 
I didn't think it turned out, but um, I had a couple people that really loved it, and I just thought, no, I'm never using pumpkin pie spice, like, in a beer ever again. <laughs> that was the ultimate pastry stout. I'm like, this is not... Is it super yeah. sweet, or it was overly spiced, or what? It was it was very spicy. Um, like, there was a lot of spice to it. It wasn't super sweet. Um, I don't know. It wasn't that bad, but I ended up giving, like almost all of it away to like two or three people um never <laughs> did those two or three people enjoy it they did okay. they did they were requesting it um so i'm like that's fine you can take it i'm not gonna drink it um yeah there's only been one of my beers that i've ever that's the one that i've never that i didn't want to drink yeah. the rest of them have been okay hmm. yeah even the like ones that were early and like you know they weren't high quality beers um they were still drinkable beers sure you know it's easy it's easy to make drinkable beers it's hard to make really bad beers that you can't drink and it's hard to make really good beers it's easy to make drinkable beers yeah i would agree um i've made i wouldn't say a lot of beers that i've dumped out but i've had my fair share of bad recipes and uh a lot of times it's it's for me it's trying to duplicate something so for a long time, I was buying kegs of Odell IPA. That was one of my favorite beers, and when it was fresh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And I always researched that beer, and they said there's eight different kind of hops <coughs> in that beer. So <laughs> I figured out the eight hops that I liked, and I tried to mix them up into an IPA, and they did not blend well together. And, <laughs> you know, that was kind of when I was first starting out. Now I would never try to put that many different kind of hops into a beer, but... But it was terrible. Um, I was very disappointed. One of the few kegs that I've actually poured out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty disheartening, dumping that five gallons of beer out, mm-hmm. out of your fence after you put put uh, eight hours of, of blood, sweat, and tears into it, and, mm-hmm. and not to mention the money. Yeah. Eight, eight hops is... It was just, uh, super just, cheap. It was like a horrible combination, and it just—it didn't taste like any of the hops. And it's like they just—they got together and and made a big giant shit sandwich. <laughs> it was not good. And other than that beer, uh, when I was brewing kit beers, I made an imperial red ale, and I didn't like it when I first made it, and I let it sit in a keg for probably six months. And I decided to try it one day, and it was fantastic. And it was so, so good. And I tried to recreate an Imperial Red Ale to that, and it, I couldn't do it. It just it wasn't that good. Hmm. I, it was never as good as what I remembered, but it had been a couple of years since I made the, made the kit beer from going all grain. So, you know, my... I don't know if my taste was probably skewed and, and everything else, but but that was another uh, over the fence pour that <laughs> your neighbor's dog appreciated. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, somebody appreciated it. So yeah, I've had my fair share of, of bad beers, but it's the multiple hop IPA beers that that did do well for me, and the uh, the Imperial Red Ales that also didn't do well. So. Yeah, like I. There's there's some beer styles I don't know that I would try to make because I don't know that I would drink them. Like, I'm not a huge Scotch ale fan, and I'm not a huge like red ale fan. Um, so I've never tried to make those, but I've always 
Like it's just it's interesting to explore different styles. But those are two that I don't know that I would like unless somebody specifically requested it. I don't know that I would make. I don't know that I would make that mm-hmm. or try it. Um, that's kind of one thing with this uh, this BJCP certification class is you you learn so many styles and as you take these practice exams before you take your written test, um, it really kind of opens your eyes up to what what is out there and what you haven't drank and oh yeah and for me it kind of makes me want to try to brew some of these beers that I read about and more in particular some some of the well like like Colby at, at White Elm you know he brews a lot of those kind of beers that, that people aren't familiar with like the DeGuards and yeah and 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 beers like that so so the more I study those and the more I read about them and and I, I kind of want to want to branch out. Yeah, well, even the Grisette when he first, yeah. you know, brought that out, like he I said, never heard of that. I, That's another I had great my, example. I had him on the podcast here, and I remember drinking a Grisette with maybe rose hips that he did at uh, Brave New Barrel Fest before he opened up a brewery. And I was like, this thing's fantastic. And so I remember talking to him back then, and he was just a home brewer like you guys back when home brewers were allowed to to give their beers out at, at festivals. And uh, then I had him on the podcast here a couple episodes ago. I brought that up, and he, he said, to his knowledge, he was the first one to commercially brew a grisette and sell it here in Nebraska. Yeah, or even in the region. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to Google Google the style and, like, read about coal miners and, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. It was really, I, I thought it was cool. And it was a great beer. Great, you know, you could tell it was something that you could you know, put down two or three of them after a hard day's work, um, be refreshed. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, that was a great beer. Yeah, I agree. There's not too many breweries you can go into and order a grisette or a beer to guard. Yeah, you know, off off of their menu. So, I think I think my first one was actually at Old Chicago. I was at, we were getting pizza and uh, I was sitting there waiting for it to get done, and I saw this on tap. And I'm like, I'm gonna try that, and yeah, it was. I was like blown away, um, and I think that was my first White Elm beer. Really? Was, yeah. Hmm. So uh, we just we finished that uh, Belgian Trappel, and the ABV on that we didn't we didn't say that it was eight point seven percent. I was gonna say yeah. So, Almost nine, yeah. So now we moved on to a style that. Hopefully you uh, appreciate Quincy. This is a new, a little, a little new, more familiar <laughs> new, new England IPA here. Yeah, super hoppy. Yeah, smells really nice. Fruity, bright. It's got a good haze to Does it. Does it say when this was bottled? Mm, I don't know. Definitely citra in this one. Is it? I don't know. Let me let me bring up my information. There is citra in this. He says he's on Untapped. He is on Untapped. Um. That's where I'm... I'm going to question his practices, though, because he's got a baby holding the chainsaw. <laughs> yes. Yes, this beer is called the Quintessential Juice. So it has a picture of his uh, his baby on it. Mm-hmm. Quinn. Um, yeah. Hey, you can't go wrong with a name like Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his little baby Quinn, and, uh, you know, babies mm. like to drink juice. And, uh, of course, it's holding a, a baby chainsaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see a chain on it though, so I think we're good. Yeah. We're good. You see. So, and in this write-up, he uh, he gives a little write-up about Quinn, and said, "Now that she's eating real food, Quinn has gotten a taste for that fruit juice, 
and just can't get enough in quotation says she's eating real fruit we do not condone giving children beer (laughs) says having perfected the art of cutting her fruit with a chainsaw Quinn is taking the next logical step and trying her hand at brewing this New England IPA is a citrus delight giving off a orange creamsicle aroma this heavily hopped tropical fruit smelling IPA is sure to please the palate there are no adjuncts and no lactose in this beer just plain old delicious hops. Warrior, Apollo, and Citra hops, and grains, and yeast, of course. Nice. Yeah. So, I, I think the nose yeah, is pretty... Do you, do you use a lot of lactose in your New England IPAs? Very rarely. I put lactose in, I think, two of my beers. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've never tried. I've never... Like, I haven't read and explored. I like it. I just haven't done it a lot. Yeah. Um, I plan on doing it more. I know there's a lot of people that are anti-lactose. Yeah, there's people out there that want it. There's people out there that don't. But mm-hmm. I've been drinking a lot of uh, a lot of other half IPAs here out of New York. Yeah, Brooklyn, I think. And yeah, and and those those IPAs, I'm digging those IPAs, mm-hmm. and I think they about all got lactose in them. So. Yeah. So yeah, I've been been experimenting. My last batch of IPAs, I think I put. Uh, a half a pound of lactose in a 10-gallon batch. And I think some of the recipes I've read about, they use a pound per 5-gallon batch. So mm. so I did a little light amount, and you could definitely taste it, you know. It's a different taste. Some people, like I say, some people are against it and don't call it, say you shouldn't put that in beer, and it's that's not a real beer if you put lactose in there, but, you know. I think this day and age, you can put about anything in a beer, and if, if people like it, that's all that really no. counts. People yeah. are putting everything and anything in beers these days. So. Exactly. Well, and weren't they, like, the original, like, milk stouts in England, weren't they, like, they were marketing those to, like, breastfeeding mothers. This has, <laughs> you know, milk sugar in it. You can It's good for you and your baby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, absolutely. That's Hear that, Quinn? That's <laughs> <laughs> ABV on this one, 6.3%. That's going to be a 7. And this uh, was bottled uh, <coughs> January 31st. So for an IPA, it's not the super freshest, but it's not, Matt, I mean, it's, it's what, good. a couple I mean, weeks old. The aroma old. holds up pretty well for, yeah. yeah it, I mean, t- today's the uh, oh, yeah, 19th, it's only a couple weeks, so yeah. yeah, it's 20 perfect, days old. Perfect yeah. carbonation on this beer. Um, I like the fact that he used a couple different hops with the, with the Citra, the Apollo, and what was it? Warrior. Warrior. Yeah. Um, I've used Warrior hops. I've had a lot of beers with Apollo, but I don't know that I've ever had a beer with Apollo, Warrior, and Citrus. So, <laughs> great combination. Nice job on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty tasty and nice to have a little bit of a change up there from the yeah. the first three that we had. Oh, um, that's a great combination. That that beer is really nice. It, it works. Are and you, it's a good base recipe, too, I would say. Quinn, are you growing any hops? Um, I have a buddy who lives out on an acreage. He's a co-worker, and uh, we are, what do we have out there? We've got six plants of Centennial out there mm-hmm. that are, this will be their fourth season. Okay. So last year we had a bit of a bug infestation, which I think was a common thing with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. based on the weather that we had but uh this year i'm hoping hoping to try some have you I, used them yet no no well 
We kind of have, and we kind of haven't. Um, I've dry hopped with some, some leaf hops after on year two, but it usually takes a couple of years before you get a yeah. good hop. And uh, this year, we're actually planning on sending them in. We've we've got a, a really nice hop growing program at the University of Nebraska mm-hmm. here now, and and with me being in our homebrew club, we've had we've had the gal that represents that program out out for a couple different presentations for our monthly meetings. And I've gotten with her, and uh, there is a place in Omaha that you can send those to, mm-hmm. and they'll test the alpha acids and the oils and all that stuff in there. So, <laughs> so we're gonna do that this year. We're gonna send them up, hope, assuming we have a good uh, a good harvest, mm-hmm. and and send them up. And what I would really like to do is I'm not a big leaf hop brewer guy. I prefer the pellets just mm-hmm. for the the ease of it. But I would like to set up a little, uh, a little uh, Randall, mm-hmm. and run them through some Centennial hops. Yeah. So I think that would be that would be fun to do. Yeah. So I don't know. Explain what a hop Randall is, because I don't know that everybody would um, understand that. Well, it's kind of running your beer out of your tap through. A filter that contains hops or it can actually contain anything and you're pouring it right through there before it goes into your glass so I've had some beers that they run them through just straight leaf hops I've had some beers where they run them through peppers mm-hmm. I've had some beers where they run them through fruits mm-hmm. so I've always been really interested in doing that I think it's a great unique way to to identify some different flavors for beers and also to make any any beer unique that mm-hmm. way so yeah didn't weren't they wasn't it first like invented at dogfish head weren't they yeah. the first guys to yes. start with a randall yep, yep. Mm-hmm. yeah and kind of on that same note if you follow me on on untapped or on uh, twitter just just the other day so a little different than than the randall but Something that I've been been looking into and, and finally decided to get into is French pressing beers. So uh, we opened up a 2017 Bourbon County brand stout, and I bought some uh, whole coffee beans that were cinnamon hazelnut coffee beans. Put them in the French press, poured the beer in, let it sit for about 15-20 minutes. Oh my gosh, that freaking beer was amazing! I couldn't. It took. It took. The, a fantastic stout and added cinnamon, a light coffee, and that hazelnut, and it was incredible. Really? Yeah. And so, how long did you have it in there for? Uh, we only left it in there about 20 minutes, and I tell you what, I probably could, we probably could have did half that time. Really? Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Was I it was, ground coffee or whole beans? No, whole beans. Whole beans. Whole beans. <laughs> so, I was pretty excited about the way that that turned out, and I, I bought some, uh, some chocolate caramel brownie coffee beans too so i'm just all about just trying to change up those flavors and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and it's not necessarily home brewing it's taking the commercial beer and just kind of mixing it up and getting different flavors and stuff like that i just think it's going to be fun yeah but that's a good i mean that shows you just how much that beer can take on that flavor and like for me i probably don't like clean my lines um you know on my kegerator often enough that there's probably you know tons of off flavors that it's like picking up um it it doesn't take long to kind of catch those flavors and grab on um 
yeah, that, the Randall idea. That's cool. Yeah. So I would say, ask you guys on average. You guys think you drink more commercial beer or more homebrew on average? Um, when I started homebrewing, I definitely drank more homebrew. I was kind of um, maybe a homebrewing snob, you might say, where <laughs> I'm gonna brew it and I'm gonna drink it and I'm gonna save money and I can I can brew it for way less than I can buy it for. But you know, with with the but, craft beer industry the way it is, there's so many good beers out there. And then I made the fatal mistake of getting into a couple of beer trading groups on the <laughs> internet, and and that kind of ruined everything. So I would say right now, I probably drink one homebrew to every six beers that I drink. Oh. Mm-hmm. I would guess that's probably a pretty fair ratio, and that's probably been that way for the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it totally depends on when I last brewed. Like, because I haven't had my own homebrew now for two months. I just happened to find this one, you know, in the back of the fridge. Um, so I've been drinking nothing but commercial stuff. Sure. But it's there's so many, like, it. the distribution has changed so dramatically that... Well, distribution here has changed, plus the amount of breweries that we have here, mm-hmm. and we talk about it every episode of this podcast, about how blessed we are to, to live, you know, wh- wh- where we're living with the kinds of beers that we can get that are just readily available on shelves all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, now, since since uh, the last episode, uh, you know, my, my good buddy Sam Riggins over at Cosmic Eye Brewing, their beers just hit... Uh, hit shelves this week on monday his cans they came out with uh five five beers um you know when he opened he first opened he had five beers on tap and he released five beers uh to the to the public now so they're well to the in, to, cans. in cans so mm-hmm. it's just it, there's another shelf filled up mm-hmm. with beer out there at, at your 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 local grocery store convenience store liquor store it's it's out there and yeah, I mean, the only time I drink homebrew is when uh, when I'm over at Quincy's house, or you know, I ask somebody for it, or somebody graciously enough gives me some homebrew. But uh, I was just wondering, kind of what what you guys, you know, if you brew it and you have that much on hand, how often are you guys going through it? But it sounds like you guys are in in how this this whole community is. It sounds like you guys are generous with your beer, and you're a lot of you guys give it away and and uh, are, are just sharing it with people. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know our our homebrew club meetings we have monthly. There's there's usually fifty different homebrews there to drink, and I think for me and and I'm sure you'll you'll say the same thing is that uh, the joy, some of the joy of homebrewing is sharing it yeah. with everybody else, and with that, you know, I guess. The only thing I ever have an issue with sharing my beer is constructive criticism because if I have a beer that I know isn't 100% or is subpar and I'll give it to my buddies and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm trying to critique this. I'm trying to make it better. Give me your opinions. And they're all like, oh, yeah, no, this tastes good. This is great. This is fine. I'm like, no, there's something wrong with it. What is it? What's that off flavor you're getting out of it? And everybody's like, no, I think this is good. And then you take it to your homebrew club meeting, and they're like, 
well, I'm picking up a burnt rubber smell out of this beer, <laughs> or this tastes really oxidized, you know. So, so that that's the only right. part that uh, that I don't like about sharing it with my close buddies is that yeah. is that they're, they're they're too nice sometimes, you know. That's what I tell people. If you the more feedback you give me, the more homebrew I give you. <laughs> yes, um, you know, just to like learn and grow in my skills. Yeah, I probably drink I probably drink less than a quarter of what I make. Uh-huh. Um, you know, whether it's in the cul-de-sac, you know, the adults all standing around the garage, you know, while the kids play kickball out in the you know cul-de-sac or, you know, whether it's, you know, giving stuff out for, you know, people that want to try. I probably, I'll, I'll, I'll bet I drink less than a quarter of what I make. I'll bet it's less well, than that. How, um... Okay, I just I just opened up another beer, so we're uh, we're passing that one around. Um, the next two that I have, he actually did wax dip uh, the tops on them, which I think I think the one that we're drinking right now is is a, a bourbon aged beer. We, uh, we got a Hillary and we got a <laughs> yeah. uh, Trump. The Donald. Yeah. Hey, at least the Donald has. The Make America Again, <laughs> yeah. Make America Great Again, Red Wax Stop, <laughs> right? It does, yeah, the <laughs> this one is called Drumpf. <laughs> it does have a picture of Donald Trump with a chainsaw. Um, this is a Belgian quad. Ooh. So back to the Belgian style. This Belgian quad quadruple was aged with bourbon and five pounds of tart cherries. Oh, nice. It says, has subtle toffee and vanilla notes coming to the fore. It took four rounds of filtering to clean all the shit out of it. <laughs> four rounds. That's pretty clean. Yeah. Putting it up to the light. Yeah. Like, I, I could smell the dark cherries. It's a perfect color Belgian beer, if you guys know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. It is pretty color. It's got a great color on the, uh, the head. The retention seems good. And uh, with any heavy belgian beer you'll see that lacing that belgian lace in the glass too and it, it, it has that going for it as well <laughs> the label is just just hilarious on this you guys have to definitely look at the picture when i posted it it says on it says i brewed a great beer nobody brews beers better than me believe me and i'll brew it very inexpensively i will brew it great great beer on my back porch and I will make the neighbors pay for that beer. <laughs> Mark my words. Oh, man. Bourbon, oak, and cherries. You guys get, guess the ABV on this one? Mm. I'm guessing it's close to 11 and a half. Oh, wow. That is tasty. That was the first sip that I just had. You know, the ABV on this one's probably very deceiving because to me... It's very, very smooth. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. This was bottled on January 10th. It's a quad, so, I mean, it should be right up there, 10 to, 10 to 12 yeah, range. It's 11.8, so. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. Yeah, he did a, another excellent job. Yeah, and this so this guy doesn't have a brewery? Mm-mm. I would this say is, this is my favorite beer so far that we've had from him. Yeah, this is just, he just is a home brewer, and... Uh, you know, he he has a Facebook page called Bloody Chainsaw um, Brewing or something like that, and uh, I just found him on online, and 
he was gracious enough to send me some beers and um it's they are pretty tasty i'm definitely gonna have to hear he has a whole updated uh, list of of what he's brewing right now and what's going to be bottled and what he has available and stuff like that so yeah he's on top of it his range i mean there's there's like we've had you know the, the brown ale, yeah. chapel, quad, and uh, a hazy, uh, juicy IPA. Yeah, he yeah. knows what he's doing, that's for and sure. And I like the uniqueness that he has in, in all of his beers, with the, whether it be the hop blend or the character or the style or the wood. or yeah. It's all good. So would you guys say that, that brewing is a, is a hobby of yours? Or, yeah? Yeah, I would, I, there's... That's all of it. It's a lifestyle. It's a hobby. It's a passion, um, and you know maybe a career. Someday? Maybe during retirement, it turns into a career. I always tell my wife this is going to be the job that I do one day, and I say, "Why didn't I do this thirty years ago?" So <laughs> I would love to do it now, um, but I've got the uh, the classic family and mortgage and insurance and everything else that I need sure. to take care of mm-hmm. and I just can't start over right <laughs> now so see I don't know that like I would I would love designing beers and like experimenting with the pilot system I don't know that I would like the monotony of you know having to brew every brewing, single yeah, week like and- you know, ten barrel batches of the same thing over, you know, yeah. over and over. I mean, you you'd get you'd get a lot of um, new and unique, you know, one off, you know, stuff that you could do. But like, you have to have your main, you know, beers that you produce all the time. And I don't. Well, some breweries do, some don't. I, I mean, it, to... it. I mean, a lot of it's the climate of what it is right now, and I don't know if I've, we've talked about it before if that's gonna. That's going to continue down that road of, yeah. of always having something crazy and new and all that kind of stuff, or or the the tried and true staple beers. You know, it it is well, it's still February and and it's what do they call it? it's flagship February is what a lot of breweries are calling mm-hmm. it right now. And and you know the with zipline seems like that they have about ten flagship beers. Yeah. White Elm has has a you know half a dozen flagships. So boiler has none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they don't have any flagship, but they do have a few beers that it seems like that they always are remaking and a variation of yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like the the peanut butter and chocolate one. It mm-hmm. seems like it always comes out every couple months and yeah, I had that on Valentine's Day. That was good. Yeah, and their that series. I mean, it's never been the same. That it's always different, but mm-hmm. they always have that a, a different version of it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, when I think of of staple beers locally, my first thought is La- is Imperium. I mean, they have well, they have fifteen staple beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they've been around since the nineties, so yeah. yeah, they've been there a long time. Them and then probably Zipline is the next mm-hmm. thing that I think of. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly though, I I mean, I've dreamt about having a brew house, and you know like having like a seven barrel system or something i've done the math to figure out like how many cases that would be for every batch and those types of things and like i would have a like a four vessel system where i'd have a whirlpool and a lotter and mash and so like i've i've dreamt about that kind of stuff but i don't have the capital and have no desire to you know 
get much bigger than what I have. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just keep keep it as a hobby, and uh, hopefully, the people that are close to you can uh, appreciate the the goodness that you're brewing. Yeah, I just wish my wife would like drink beer. She doesn't drink any of it. Yeah. I'm like, here, try this. Eh, it tastes like Coors hey, Light. Be careful you what you wish for. Screw you. <laughs> I used to say that. Now I say, I wish I could just buy her a case of Miller Light every couple of weeks and call it good. So, yeah. She thinks everything tastes like Coors Light. So I'm like, no, that's a stout. Yeah. That is nothing yeah. like. What my, the hell? My wife, you know, she's like, here, try this, honey. This is amazing. She's like, this tastes like beer. Like, oh my gosh. Yes, you're right. Yeah, but you get a bottle of Black Agnes out, and she wants half of that. <laughs> yeah, we start getting the heavy dollar meads out. <laughs> uh, have you guys ever brewed a beer where you just totally drink all of it yourself because it was that good, or you didn't want to share it, or anything like that? Mm. I've brewed a 10-gallon batch where I probably drank five gallons of it myself. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I always share. And if, if I really like it, then I'm actually more really I'm more, more excited to share it. Share it, right. I, I want my, my buddies to mm -hmm. taste it, too. So, Yeah, my summer wheat beer that I've made, like, four or five times, um, that we've, we've gone through a five-gallon keg of that in a weekend in the cul-de-sac pretty quick. And, um, yeah, that, it's always... It, I think I get more enjoyment out of watching other people enjoy, you know, the stuff that I've come up with. And especially knowing it was my recipe and my, you know, everything about it was from me. That was kind of, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say drives you guys to make new beers? Um, you know, instead of brewing the same beer over and over again, you know, I mean, maybe you guys do at some point. You find that one that you love, but it kind of seems like, it's always something new that you guys are brewing mm -hmm. or a different variation of something. I think it's the exploration, like the uh, learning new things and, you know, having new experiences um, with what you're doing. Um, you know, I've not brewed with lactose before, and so that's something. I love IPAs. I love New England IPAs, and so that's something down the road that I will try. But, like, I, before I try something new, I usually spend a month, like, reading about it and, like, trying to learn okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. Because there's, there's a lot of crap on the Internet that's not true. And <laughs> no, a, lo a lot of it that, like, you're Fake like, oh. News. Right. <laughs> like we made, one time we, we made um, we made a wheat beer that we um, were going to put ginger in. And my buddy and I, Mike, he, um, we split the batch. He took five gallons, I took five gallons. And I put the ginger in first in mine. And he waited a couple weeks. And, like, he put like a tenth the amount of ginger we used candied ginger um he oh, yeah. put like a tenth the amount in that i put in because mine was like whoa that's like i'm gonna make moscow mules with that that's so <laughs> much ginger like that's ridiculous i can't you know hardly drink that um so just ex like learning new things and exploring new you know ways of using different adjuncts in beer that's the cool that's the cool part yeah. Um, I would say I 100% agree. Uh, just the experimental part of it for me is good. And it's just like any other hobby, you know. You you do something once and you try it and it's, it's a success. Uh, you want to do it again <laughs> and make it more successful. Yeah, so, can you do it again the yeah. same way? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love... 
I love both. I love trying new beers, and I love brewing the same beer also to see if you can make it taste exactly the same. And, and that may sound easy to people, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of technical merit in being able to make the exact same beer twice in a row. So. Oh yeah, that's like I've said before. Um, like, I, I don't enjoy Bud Light, um, but like those guys to be able to make the same tasting beer around the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. that's incredible. And know? it tastes the same. You know, six months old as the one we grew yeah. really. And yeah. to get that same flavored corn syrup each time. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that dig in there. Yeah. So you guys talking? You're talking about your hobby. Kind of talking. It reminds me of this podcast here. Like this is just something. Like you know, this is this is rudimentary podcast for me. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping each week something's maybe sounding a little bit better or it's starting to get a little bit better and I'm trying to get better equipment and stuff like that down here and, and just trying to, to bring in different guests and, and, and have new ideas and stuff like that. So, cause, cause what drives me to do something like this is just the, the, the community that we have in, in our local area with craft beer. I haven't met a bad person mm-hmm. in in craft beer in in Lincoln or in in Nebraska really that that's been related to, to craft beer. So I like to talk, I like to drink, I like to share. Why not? Uh, let's record some of these once in a while yeah. and and uh, maybe get a little little uh, information out there to the masses. If that's thirty people or three thousand people, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. No, I uh, I agree, and and with that, Dane, I appreciate you having us mm-hmm. um, having oh, yeah. having us on tonight, and uh, I will say this is my first podcast, and I wasn't really sure what to expect, so try to make it easy. Just we're drinking beers and just talking about beer and a passion that we all love. Yeah, well, you're not sitting underneath the wasp nest, though. <laughs> yes, he's... Nothing's <laughs> crazy. That's a big ass. I guess I'm going to have to take a picture of the wasp nest and put it on there yes. now. Oh, absolutely. you got to get one from underneath, too, so you can see the all the little hives or whatever those are. Yeah, that is a big, big ass nest. Well, like, you are in the, the horror man cave studio basement. Yeah, oh, I was telling Dane before we started, that totally makes me think of... Um, the movie Candyman, where all the bees are coming out of his mouth, because um, <laughs> the bottom of the nest is open, and you can see the like all the little honeycomb things in there. Does anything ever drop out of there? No, nope. from time to time. It's pretty old. Well, how old is that? Yeah, that's. Mm, it was my great grandfather's. It was off his farm. So oh no, kidding! It's that old. Yeah. So, uh, how the hell did he make sure all the wasps or bees were out of there? Oh, I don't know. They probably killed him before. I don't. Damn, this guy really whacks the hell out of this one. Yeah, we got a we got a thick well, waxy on our hands. It's Hillary, here. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That explains a lot. You gotta, you gotta work hard to pry that open. There's a thick, <laughs> thick skin on That's that a, thing. Yeah. It's a private home server <laughs> here or something. Why do you think Bill stepped out? <laughs> it is smooth though, so that. That's a bonus. Oh. What kind of beer is this? I'm so excited. This is a milk stout with coconut and aged on bourbon. Bourbon oak. 
It smells so good. Do you, are you a coconut guy? That's I'm a coconut guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I appreciate floaties in my uh-huh. coconut beers because yeah. that tells this you. This one's definitely cold. Have you made That's beer with true. coconut? I have not. Before? Me neither. Have uh, you done too many adjunct stouts, Quincy? I have not, and I I really I was just about ready just to start talking about stouts um, while you guys are opening that bottle of beer. Is I've got a oh. a barrel <laughs> that I've got, and I'm really getting excited about putting a stout in there i was gonna do it last year like a full a full 31 gallon no just a five gallon uh let's see i want to say it's a lawson's barrel okay and from what i remember i looked it up and it was a pretty high-end whiskey but yeah, I meant to do it last year and I didn't, so it's been sitting empty, plugged for mm-hmm. a while now. Uh, my brother and I are, are going to come up with a recipe. Does it still have some liquor in it? No. Okay. So what I will do with that is I'll put some boiling water in there and I'll swell it up and kind of sanitize it at the same time. And then I'll probably just take like maybe... 8 or 12 ounces of whiskey and put it in there after I get it swelled up and just kind of spin the barrel. Well, I mean, how much? A what? little bit here and there just to put the put the put some of the whiskey back into the wood. Colby, what, what he said, they, he gets wet barrels. They yeah. still have... Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And, yeah. and as long as the whiskey's still in there, he doesn't worry about the bugs. Nope. Yeah, he doesn't. No, need you don't have to. Yeah. Um, and I've had some of the trailings of those barrels before and it's yeah it's it's good if i could if i could get that i would Mm -hmm. but for a individual (laughs) to get a barrel that still has booze in it that's that fresh (laughs) well and yeah i mean we've got a pretty good barrel source here in town but uh i would also over by the brewery i would also have to brew five gallon five different batches of beer to fill the thing Uh (laughs) yeah well there's i i've heard of people like getting like multiple brewers to make batches to put in yeah yeah Um, and our club has done some of that um hey we got floaties guys this smells fantastic there's a coconut in here and that's that's an excellent way to do oh yeah there are some nice floaties in here yeah the the coconut just like so yeah uh, a barrel aged stout is probably oh my goodness in my very near future of of, mm-hmm. uh, of doing probably within the next three batches and I'm really hoping that uh, you know brew something up now and you know it's by the end of for sure by the end of March you'd probably mm-hmm. have something in the barrel so it could sit in there and and you know maybe. Maybe by November, December, you could have yourself a, a fantastic barrel That's, aged that's one of my problems is I am drinking commercial beers, and then I'm like, oh, I want to try to brew this. And then by the time it's ready to drink, it's like two months beyond the season. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to scout <laughs> anymore. It's like, you know, so I'm always behind the times. We, ma- we made a good uh, Russian Imperial Stout that we, um, we didn't have barrels, but we had um, charred oak cubes that we soaked in bourbon um, for a couple weeks and then um, let it sit on that for three months and that turned out really well that was like eleven and a half percent 
um, stout. That turned out really well. So I, I want to. I'm anxious to make another one of those soon. I'm I'm thinking that's what he probably does on these. I, they're not barrel aged, but he said it's with bourbon and oak. So I'm uh-huh. guessing that he probably soaks oak chips yeah. or something like that in bourbon mm-hmm. and then uh, lets them sit in the beer for a while. And yeah, super easy to do. I mean, you just dump out most of the bourbon um, and then just put the oak in the fermenter before you put the beer in there um, and then put the beer on top of it and just let it sit. Yeah. Yeah. This beer is pretty damn tasty. It smells. I haven't tasted it yet. I'm just enjoying the smell. Huge coconut aroma. Yeah. Um, Nice, sweet milk stout. Um, Good body to it. It it has a lot of carbonation to it. I had to wait quite a while to to see the actual floaties in mine. Yeah, Yeah, I would say there's maybe just a very slight carbonic bite to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... uh, but very good. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Very, very good, yeah. Reminds me of the Hawaiian Tropics girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, for those of you guys listening, it's one of those beers where you roll it around in your glass and you can kind of see it in your glass after it's gone. Oh, so yeah. It kind of stains. The- it's got mm-hmm. a little bit of thickness to it and it's good, good, uh, good viscosity to it. So, very... Pretty yeah. pleasant beer. So the, the beer that we're drinking, again, from Bloody Chainsaw Brewing, it's called In Search of Hard Drives. <laughs> Hence the picture of uh, Madam Hillary Clinton. Hillary. Right, yeah. Well, she's got to look down in her basement. That's where they're all at, right? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Says, uh, you will very likely have some coconut residue left. It's edible, we promise. Yes, we do. Um, coconut is very present in this stout that totes sweet chocolate flavors on the forefront. Has notes of vanilla, caramel, and brown sugar. It was aged for two months with toasted coconut and bourbon that was legally obtained to give it the boozy finish. Of course it was. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, nice job on this one. Yeah, this is pretty tasty. Yeah, there's some big coconut floaties in there. The, it's, yeah, the it's smell just is got fantastic. that great roasted coconut smell to it. Yeah. Um, Dane was talking earlier about using a French press, and on was it New Year's when John brought the French French oh, no. press over? When was that? No, that was the mead share. The mead share. Yeah. And, Couple weeks uh, ago, we did uh, we did a French press with also some bourbon counties, and he had. Uh, Toasted some coconut before he brought them over, and they just had the most beautiful brown, brown hue mm-hmm. on top of those coconuts. And because uh, John's a chef, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, yeah, we we pressed them into a Bourbon County, and for maybe an hour, and I think an hour was almost too much for the coconut, yeah. but but it was fantastic, and it it had this exact same smell to it, and uh, and the. The little chunks in here look mm. just like that roasted coconut that he had. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Former fridge guy John Lorenz, he's been on here a couple times. Mm-hmm. Did uh, I think he's in both the blind tastings? He did the one with he you, did the IPA, the IPA blind one, tasting, yeah, and yeah. then we did a stout one um, that that we he did too. So yeah, maybe we're gonna do another blind one here in a another month or yeah, so. Yeah, that was that was yeah. Fun. I that think that's that was probably. Good. The first podcast I I, I yeah. watched or, or listened, listened to. to it was fun. I just I just love that whole aspect of 
your your brain does so much to to decide things for you. Well, yeah, you show you said something about going to pour. <coughs> yeah, having ziplines white stout. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, so a couple, I don't, I don't know if it was a month ago or a few weeks back, I I went to pour, and they did uh, four pours. Three of them, well, they were all stouts, but one of them was Zipline's White Stout, which mm-hmm. that, that White Stout is, you know, it looks like a, you know, a Pilsner or something like that. It's a blonde mm-hmm. stout. And, you know, I put the blindfold on. I drank lots of beers, and... That was that was the second guess that that I had. The first the first one I picked was the coconut or not coconut the the chocolate or the coffee cocoa stout from from New Belgium, and that's what I thought was the the white stout. But mm-hmm. it was actually my second guess, and it was it was great. And there was a cross strain moose stout, and um, what was the uh, oh it was a founder's breakfast stout. That was the four that yeah. that we had, and it's just. It's just a whole nother level of, of, you know, what you think the beers taste like and what they actually taste like. Totally different. And, and uh, so I, I, I love that aspect of tasting beers. You know, we can put some of the best beers in the quote-unquote, you know, in, in, the, in the area. Are they the actual best beers? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's easy to say when you're looking at them, <laughs> yeah. but when you're blindfolded, it's a yeah. totally different ballgame. Is, is it hype? Is it marketing? Or is it the actual beer? Yeah, it's just, that's fantastic, though, to me to think about. Like, you can't tell the difference between, you know, this, because everybody thinks, oh, God, you know, look at that dark beer. It's going to be chewy. It's going to be mm-hmm. thick. Um, you know, I'm going to have one and feel full. And, you know, that's not the way they are always no. it can be but it doesn't have to be and yeah and and that zipline white stout i mean it felt thicker than that new belgium to yeah. me that's why i picked that new belgium and i, I mean that new belgium was probably like an eight percent and the, the white stout seven and a half percent so uh-huh. it's not a huge difference but you know, when you look at it you're like what the hell yeah i mean just and it like it, it's blonde as blonde can be i mean there's no oh, yeah. Like you look at it, you wouldn't pick it out as a stout at all. No, looks like a pilsner almost. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, uh, I will say a little off-related topic from home brewing, but uh, beer shares. You know, when we do beer shares, and you stumble across that little hidden hidden gem, you know, that nobody thought was going to be any good. That somebody just like, oh well, I just brought this one, or I just picked this up here, and you know, it doesn't have a big name to it or a big, big barrel uh, signature on the bottle of it, but but you crack it and you taste it and you know instantly that it's a fantastic oh, yeah. beer. I mean, for me, that's that's the excitement of craft beer mm-hmm. and that's the excitement of drinking new beers and yeah, drinking so many different ones because you'll there's some there's some beers i'm like well i got this somebody you know somebody sent this and you know i have no anything about it and we open up a crowler and we're like holy shit like what is this i've yeah. never even heard of this before yeah. right. what is this from this is like, fantastic yeah mm-hmm. so that's and just i mean yeah bloody chainsaw right I, this could easily be one of those <laughs> yeah. beers yeah, yeah. The, he's he's coming out with with some great some great beer. The ABV on this one, eleven percent. So he he does not shy away from 
from big ABV yeah. beers. I mean, what? No, that's that's the the New England IPA. That was a six percent. The rest of them have all been what eight, eight to twelve or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. there's at least four crayons sitting on top of that bottle. <laughs> yeah, there's a <laughs> that is some thick that's wax thick, on there. Yeah. That's a thick wax. Yeah. Have you guys ever uh, wax dipped any of your beers? I haven't. I've <laughs> seen some of the. I've seen some of it done before, just because sure. I've been interested in looking at it on videos, but. I really haven't brewed a stout worthy enough of having to wax the top. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you guys a little bit of story about a, a stout that I brewed last year. and uh, Or maybe it was even two years ago. Dane, you might be able to to uh, ver- <laughs> oh, verify yeah. the date. I think I remember this But But uh, our buddy John had a, had a morning delight that he cracked. And we were from, outside from, to, from Toppling Goliath mm-hmm. out of Decorah, Iowa. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. it's up there. And we were we were outside, and it was a nice, warm summer night. And he cracked that beer, and I swear to God, I could smell the maple syrup from that bottle of beer about eight feet away. <laughs> and it just it blew my mind. We drank that bottle, and we shared it, and it was just fantastic. And I, I fell in love with it. And I told myself I'm going to brew up a batch of that morning delight. So I came up with uh, a, a nice heavy stout recipe. And then uh, I did a little research and I actually had a buddy who worked at uh, Microphone Brewing, which is out of Chicago. And if any of you guys are familiar with them, they brew, they brew uh, a maple stout that's really, really nice. And so I bugged them and bugged them and bugged them and, and figured out what kind of maple syrup they used. And so I sent off to that company and I bought a bunch of maple syrup from them. And they had a deal where if you bought like $50 worth, you got free shipping. So I bought 50 bucks worth of maple syrup. And uh, by the time I got it, my 5 Five gallon batch of uh, of stout was ready, and it was it was a pretty decent stout. You know, it was probably I want to say it was just under twelve percent ABV. And uh, I was like, well, I talked to a couple other uh, home brewers and and kind of tried to figure out when the best time to put that syrup in the beer was. And I, we came up with the conclusion that it was best to put it in after the beer was completely fermented. And since it was a keg beer, it was going to be cold, mm-hmm. that I could just pour it right into the keg. And I wouldn't have to worry about it uh, starting another fermentation mm-hmm. or, or any extra yeast might start getting, getting hungry in there and, uh, and fermenting again. So I started pouring this syrup in there, and again, I was kind of a novice to this, and I still am, but I kept smelling the beer and pouring syrup in there and smelling the beer and pouring syrup in there and smelling the beer, and I never really did get to the point where I got got to where I could smell that morning delight smell, (laughs) and I took a taste of the beer, <laughs> and I'd probably had almost the whole entire half gallon of syrup in this beer at the time, and five gallons of beer, and it was just a big giant sugar bomb. Yeah. 
And uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I could taste the syrup, but it still doesn't quite smell that way. <laughs> and so I bottled some up and I set it into a competition. <coughs> and uh, one of my good friends, Matt White, who's a fantastic brewer, uh, he actually judged my beer along with another gal out of Kansas City. And he said, he said he knew right away that it was my beer as soon as he <laughs> took a taste of it because because it didn't really taste like beer. It just tasted like some kind of maple, maple syrup, syrup extract <laughs> or something. It tastes like I want to dip my French toast sticks in. Right. He, he kept quiet, you know, because that's the etiquette of a, of a judge. And uh, she looked at him and she's like... Oh my god, this beer's like straight sugar. <laughs> and I I kept her judging sheet around just because it was so funny how how she talked and she she really nicely said, you know, this beer has way too much syrup in it. Mm-hmm. And uh she's I think one of the comments was almost like it almost tastes as if you just poured a whole bottle of maple syrup in the beer. <laughs> Little did she know, and that's exactly <laughs> what I had done. So she, I yeah. mean, she really hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> but I, excellent you beer know, judge. I actually should have brought one of those beers in because I still have, you a, have I still have a couple bombers of those beers. But you Damn know, it. a guy hates to bring a shitty beer for everybody else to hey, try. We, you know what that beer's well, good for? They've been cold the whole time, so yeah. It, they're good for mixing in other stouts yeah, to so, make maple uh-huh. stouts. We like to cuvee it with yeah. other beers. They take those and like, ah, oh, this beer's not too good. Pour a little maple in it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always a joke between Dane and John and I. We, yeah. Us three, we drink a lot of beers together. So whenever we have a beer that's mapley, I'm like, I oh, don't know. There, yes. There's not enough maple in that beer. <laughs> it needs more syrup. So yeah. we always kid about it. <laughs> you guys ever seen Super Troopers where he's chugging the maple <laughs> syrup? <laughs> right. That'll be my label if I ever get this yeah. beer. Or like beer Elf. Right. Elf where he's pouring syrup yes. over the spaghetti. The spaghetti. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to do one more Is there beer. sugar and syrup? One more beer. Not necessarily a beer. We're going to do one more homebrew tonight. And this is a mead. A homebrew mead from... My good buddy Nate Wheat. Um, if you listen to the Chomperado Day, he was the first guest we had on. Nate Wheat. Um, he he brews. Uh, he does homebrew meads at his house. Um, this one in particular is called Darkness. Um, his meadery is called Sugar Creek Meadery. You can find it on Untapped if you want. It is a black currant melomel, which. Is a mead. You've never had this one, have you? No, I haven't. Yeah. And the black currants are always my favorite. So yeah, black currants are amazing. Um, um, when when you add so mead is honey, water, and yeast. Mm-hmm. But when you add fruits to it, they call it a. a, a, a is that am I pronouncing that right? Melomel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So black currants um, with vanilla beans and cacao nibs is what this one is. And oh so, man. So is this one of your first meads? Yeah, Matt? this is this is this may be my first ever. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're in the, the retreat. The nose is incredible on this. Yeah, uh, uh, mead. You know, a great mead has great viscosity. It has a great nose to it, and just the 
the smoothness of it, and especially for a fruited mellow mel, um, to me, should be a sweet mead. I mean, it's got fruits in it. I mean, yeah. I mean, this almost smells like a, a port, um, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, like an after dinner. Yeah. Beer. So it's technically not a beer; it's a honey wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but damn, is it good? Mm-hmm. It is. And if if any of you listeners haven't had a good sweet mead, check it out. Yeah. And if you don't know anybody that makes <clears> it, uh, there's some great meaderies out there. Just look on the internet; you'll find them. Yeah. So if you listen to episode 69 of three beers later podcast i uh, you know i supplied all the beers for that podcast uh last week and i brought a couple of uh, nate's really early his vanilla and his coconut mead super early ones when we first got into it and and they're you know introductory you know when somebody starts getting into mead you guys kind of know when you first get into beers your first beers aren't that great so he's been making meads for a while and this is one of his latest batches and i think it is fairly fantastic yeah that's i mean that's like my next mead's gonna be a letdown <laughs> that's good yeah it's very good uh, i get i get the the black currants i get the cacao nibs mm-hmm. and i get the vanilla all in there yeah mm-hmm. the, the balance is really nice huh? yeah uh abv on this 14 percent. yeah i was gonna say it's got to be pretty high yeah. and uh it drinks like it's about three. Yeah, it's right. It's, you could get into trouble with this fast. Yeah, yeah you could drink it. I mean, it's it's super sweet. So depending on what your level is and being able to drink sweet sweet drinks, I mean, if you're able to drink a lot of them, you could you could get you get and yourself this, in trouble. This guy, he's is he commercial? No, no. This is just out of so, his basement. Yeah, um, he should be. And yeah, hopefully, he will be someday. Yeah, yeah. some uh, you know I. Every time I drink one, I tell him, you know, nobody's, nobody's doing, I mean, the, the only place around here that's doing meat is Boiler, and, mm-hmm. he, and he's done he's, it with them. And yeah, he, uh, the, one of the next uh, Boiler Meads coming out should be one of his, the cherry pie one. He talked about that on the oh, yeah. Chomperado mm-hmm. podcast, so he did a cherry pie one, and I drank one of those the other day. Well, they were pops. Yeah, but so that'll be coming out uh, probably later this year. But this is good. Yeah, this is another one that'll it'll stain the glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. This is this is pretty much purple. It's just the right blend of adjuncts in here too. I would say. Yeah, he did a great job on this one. Yeah, that will knock so, you on your ass, though. Yeah, I wanted to finish finish the night with this. You know, I'm gonna send you guys home in the blowing snow, but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, how many how many inches are out there? You think? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. <clears throat> they canceled school already, so I guess we're yeah, sure. gonna be in for it. Probably nine. If they canceled school, that means I actually don't have to go into work if I don't want to. Well, so. well, your kids will be at home. Your wife I will, will be at home. I won't get paid. Let's see, what time is it? It's ten o'clock. Yeah, girls will probably be home going crazy by the time I get home. So, <laughs> all right, I uh, just a couple more questions <clears throat> while we finish this beer up for you guys. Um, what's what's the most important thing when it comes to home brewing for those people out there? Would you say in- equipment out there, the ingredients, or maybe just knowledge? What you know, out of those three things, what would be the most important? Um, for sure, knowledge. And also, I would say your just willingness to try it because 
I mean, really, if you were dedicated, you could probably brew up a batch of beer in a Folgers can over an open fire. I mean, if, if, if you mm-hmm. knew how to do it, you could do it. So equipment, you know, the nicer the equipment you have, it just makes it easier. It makes it quicker and clean, it makes cleanup better. That's not a necessity to make beer. Um, the only necessity to make beer is really is your desire to want to do it and, and your willingness to learn how to do it. So so that that's what I would say. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing. We've talked about some bad beers and stuff, but uh, to me there's no such thing as a bad beer. I've, I've brewed some bad beers, but it's always been a learning experience. So and I, I think uh, anybody out there that's willing to try it and that wants to try it, I'm all for it, and I would uh, recommend it. And if you're listening outside of our area, and you want to do it, just reach out to your local homebrew club. Most most towns, most cities have them. And uh, if they don't, get on the internet. And there's tons of sites out there you can learn how to homebrew on. And if you're local and listening and you want to brew, give me a call. Yeah. Hook me up. Get a hold of me. Whatever. You know, I'll, I'll brew a batch of beer with you and let you take home five gallons. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's my advice. That's my answer anyway. Yeah, it sounds cliche, but like the community, you know, sharing beer with people, I mean, you're sharing life with people. And so, like, that's the exciting part. You know, there, there's a lot of... Are you talking about barley wine? Yes. Because <laughs> barley wine is life. <laughs> um, but, but, like, you know, whether it's, you know, sharing with your neighbors or, you know, handing out beers to dads that are trick-or-treating with their kids, you know, I mean... That's, I'm coming to your neighborhood in October, Jesus. We pushed we pushed the kegerator to the front of the garage, and if if Dad wants to grab a glass and go, we yeah pour him a glass. Nice. That's awesome. Um, but I usually like, walk around with a crowler when I go trick or treating. But that and if you want to get into it, you can keep it as simple as you want, or you can make it as complicated as you want. Um, you know, if you're a chemist and you want to get into you know, acid-based stuff and, you know, measuring all kinds of crap, you can do that. But you don't have to. You can, you know, get malt extract and a few hops and you boil it on your kitchen stove if you've got a stove that's strong enough. Um, (laughs) And then you let it ferment. I mean, that's basically just finding a cool place to let the yeast do the job and then bottle it and you have something, you know, a month later that you made and then you share and that's the cool part for me is just sharing and getting people's opinions and watching their eyes light up when they're like you made this uh, you know that's we have at work there you know there's a auction coming up and they're asking me to make beer to donate for the auction you know that people are gonna you know spend money on like that's i don't know that's exciting and yeah you know it's just the sharing part and you know making beer is mostly about just keeping things clean and sanitation you know if you can keep things clean and it's way easier now than it used to be you know 30 years ago you had to make up a bleach solution and you know wash things and then rinse them now they have no rinse sanitizers that you just i mean literally you put you know a little ounce in five gallons of water and you know you slosh it around it gets all foamy but you dump it out and you don't have to rinse it out even i mean it's Mm -hmm. super simple to keep things clean and sanitary 
now. So awesome. Yeah, Star it's about community. Is your friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's. I think it's about community and enjoying. You know, I mean, even like this. You know, sitting around drinking beers and talking about beers. You know, I mean, that's what the neighborhood is. You know, oh, when that's what know. that's what you know that's 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 what we do. You know, every day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you like you talk about Moran's tap room. You know, that thing is so small that you don't have time to or space to take out your phone and no. you know check stuff in. So you just talk to people. Yep. I mean, good God, what you know? What's that like? Putting your phone away and actually talking to people. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly, and we're we're talking about you know a a beverage, a drink mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. Um, but it brings people together. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's just what I love about this community here as a, as a whole. So I feel like you know we have something special here. But you know I do a lot of traveling, and I tell you what, all around the country, it's it's the same way. Yeah. The community in the craft beer industry is is just awesome. It's a family. Um, if you haven't if you haven't had something or if you have a problem or or questions, you know somebody's there to answer it or talk to yeah. you about it. Whatever. So we're gonna have a big group hug after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the guys can help me scoop snow after this. As long as we can cheers to it, I'll be all right with that. That's what the teenagers are for. Make the teenagers scoop the snow. But uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, coming on the podcast. I know we had some hairy weather tonight, but uh, thanks for showing up and and drinking some home brews with me tonight. Um, you know, with, we don't necessarily need to rate this. I think we had a pretty good night overall. I mean, your ESB we started with, I thought was a fantastic ESB to to start with, and and this guy, uh, I think his name's Jeff. Um, from Bloody Chainsaw, he did an amazing job with the five beers that we drank. We're ending with this delicious mead from yeah. from Sugar Creek Meadery from Nate Wheat at a. He's up in Omaha, just kind of Elkhorn area. So, shout out to him. Um, so thank you guys for for coming in and and drinking some beers and kind of giving me a little bit of knowledge. You know I'm. I don't homebrew. People always ask me, you know, every time we're sitting there, well, oh, you drink a lot of beers. You ever homebrew? I mean, there's guys out there like you that are that are brewing way better than I'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And we've got, we've got breweries in town that are going to do it way better than I'll ever do. So I, I don't know if I'll ever get into that, but I'll definitely be here supporting you guys. Mm-hmm. So cheers to you guys. Thank hey, you. cheers to you, Dane. Thank yeah, you for having awesome. me. Yeah. Adam's good visiting with you. That's yeah, very cool. And uh, yeah, have a great night, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. Yep. So this was episode ten of the Fridge Guys podcast, um, part of the Three Beers Later Media Empire. Um, if you uh, liked what you heard tonight, uh, I've got uh, nine other podcasts up on. FridgeGuys.beer's website. Um, I've got uh, at Fridge underscore Guys Twitter, um, at Dane Patton on Instagram. That's my name, but everything I just shared to that. And we've got a Facebook page, uh, Fridge Guys Facebook page. Um, tell Mark and Connor I said hello. Um, you know, sponsor those, all of them. That's right. Sponsor three beers later dot com. Sponsor fridge guys dot beer. 
if you want to come on the podcast, all you have to do, message me on Facebook, message me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you see me at a brewery or or drinking out uh, about town, give me a holler. Which is like 22 out of 24 hours every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes. 40 beers, new beers per week on average. That is on average. Sometimes we're, a lot of them are here at the home. So uh, if you want to come drink beers with me, I'm, uh, my door is always open. I'm always willing to share beers with you. Uh, other than that, uh, I think next week um, we've got a new guy doing some podcasting. Like I think it's like video podcasting he does, Grady McGuire. Um, I've known him for a while. He's just started something called Nebraska Beer 30. Beer so 30, yeah. I shot a shot an invitation out to him, and he's going to come on to Fridge Guys and talk about his new venture there with his podcasting. And he had Colby on. Um, I had Colby on. So Colby Wood from White Elm. So it'll be good to hear about him and his his new kind of upstart uh, video podcasting. And um, we we'll, should have a new schedule coming up in, in March for, for some new uh, guests. So talk to you guys later. Awesome. Thanks. Cheers, Cheers. guys.